Hello and welcome to Complete Caribbean, a Travel Pulse podcast all about the world's favorite warm weather destination, the Caribbean. I'm writer, editor, and Caribbean travel expert, Jet Set Sarah. And I'm Brian Major, managing editor here at Travel Pulse. We're happy to have you join us today as we discuss the ins and the outs of Caribbean travel and we share the latest info and intelligence on this wonderfully diverse region. Let's get started. Welcome to episode four of the Complete Caribbean. I'm Jet Set Sarah, and I'm joined by the illustrious Mr. Brian Major. He is managing editor at Travel Pulse. Hello, Brian. Hello, Sarah, my good friend. As always, I'm pleased to join you. We're happy to have all of you here with us today as we discuss the ins and outs of Caribbean travel. So let's get started with this just in. Sarah. Wait, hold on, Brian. Let me tease just and let you know for a second that we have an amazing guest today. His name is Mr. Mark Brantley. He is a premier of the island of Nevis, half of the Twin Island Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis. And he's going to be giving us all the lowdown in section two of this podcast to come. But first, let's do a little bit of news, shall we, in the This Just In section. So this just in, you'll never believe it, but there's been more news in terms of entry protocols for Caribbean destinations. Of course, as you know, the COVID situation changes and vaccines roll out, we're seeing all these changes happen to entry protocols. And I just want to clue you in on a few of them that have happened since we were last uh, on the air. So Anguilla, you will recall with Anguilla back in April, they had a cluster of cases and they actually shut down the island. But the good news is that on May 25th, after this month-long closure, they're going to reopen. Uh, so, yay, we can get back to Anguilla. You will ste- still need a negative PCR test taken within three to five days of your arrival. But now, if you're vaccinated, instead of having to quarantine for 14 days in the bubble, you will only have to quarantine for seven. So, yay for Anguilla opening and yay for their new protocols for vaccinated travelers. Now, in Dominica... If you're vaccinated, you're only going to have to quarantine in what they're calling safe in nature approved hotels for two days. When you do that for two days on day two, you take a second test. It used to be five days, but now it's two days. You take a second test. And if those test results come back negative and they take about 24 hours, if they come back negative, you are free to roam. So as of day three, if you're vaccinated, you can now go out and about in the nature island. Also, we have some interesting news out of St. Martin, because now, you know, most of the Caribbean islands, you have to have a PCR test to enter. But St. Martin has decided that all you need now is an antigen test or a rapid test, and that must be taken within 24 hours of arrival. And so you can get in there without doing a PCR test. Um, they've also changed their regulations that you now have are required to buy travel insurance, not the sort of travel insurance for, you know, if your trip gets canceled, but health insurance so that if you have any COVID related issues, you can be medevaced out. It's very reasonable. It's only $30 per person and it's valid for six months. So Uh, That's a good thing to know. And also, if you're departing for the U.S., you'll know that as of January 26, the rules changed and we now have to present results of a negative test to get back into the States. Well, the good thing to know is if you're in St. Martin, if your hotel doesn't offer it, don't panic. You can actually do the testing at the Princess Juliana International Airport in St. Martin. So. Lots of news, as usual, on the entry protocols front. We have a lot coming today, and I'm sure that next time there'll be a lot too. What about you, Brian? What do you got to tell us? Well, you know, as you point out, Sarah, these these protocols are 
It's much like the uh, the coronavirus situation. It's changing all the time. Um, you have to stay mm-hmm. up on the information. That's why these updates are important. And it's no different in the cruise Caribbean uh, sector of uh, of the industry. Um, you will be able to cru- to cruise in the Caribbean this summer. It just may take a little bit longer than we had thought initially. Um, last week, the CDC issued new cruise industry guidelines, and Royal Caribbean in turn extended the suspension of its global food fleet through June 30th. Under several of the related changes, ships like Adventures of the Sea, Adventure of the Seas will now sail from Nassau, Bahamas, beginning in after June, and Vision of the Seas will sail from Bermuda, also beginning in late June. Carnival Corp. Now, Carnival Corp. is the parent of Carnival Cruise Lines. Most of us are familiar with Carnival Cruise Lines, the one that sails in the Caribbean mostly, but Carnival Corp. includes several brands, and they said this week they will resume operations this summer in the Caribbean on the Holland America Line, Princess Cruises, and Seaborne Cruise Lines. Those brands are going to sail over the next few months and use a gradual, phased-in approach to the new itineraries. That will include limited days on all the sailings. And there's going to be some other changes on board, too. The initial cruises will feature adjusted passenger capacities. That means lower, (laughs) fewer people. Enhanced (laughs) health protocols developed in conjunction with government and health authorities and also informed by guidance from carnivals, public health, epidemiology, and policy experts. You know, it's going to take a bit longer for travelers who want to sail to the Caribbean from a U.S. port. All of those sailings pretty much sail from Caribbean ports. As Sarah has pointed out in the past, you're going to have to fly there. It's a little more expense, a little more time adding on with a flight included. Um, it's going to take a bit longer to get back to the U.S. sailings in the ports. It seems that Carnival Corp is saying there are still some unanswered questions. Last week, um, Christine Duffy, president of Carnival president of Carnival Cruise Line said, we continue to have constructive discussions with the CDC, but we still have many questions that remain unanswered. But she said Carnival will possibly sail in July to the Caribbean on its ships sailing from Miami and Galveston, Texas. So bottom line, cruise fans, you're going to be able to sail soon. A little longer time frame than we thought, but soon. Um, And one more key development development I want to mention. CDC also updated its guidance for passengers and crew who are fully vaccinated. Just like on land, it's a, it's a similar situation. There are, up, there are updated protocols. And, and these include um, if passengers are fully vaccinated, they may gather or conduct activities outdoors, including engaging in extended meal service or beverage consumption without wearing a mask, except in crowded settings. Also, on shore excursions, guidance has changed. They used to be banned, pretty much, uh, for independent explore, shore exploration, even for vaccinated travelers. That has re- changed to a recommendation. The guidance now says passengers may engage in self-guided or independent exploration during port stays if they wear a mask while indoors. So there are some changes, um, but you will be able to sail in the Caribbean this summer. Um, You know, it's an adjustment like everything else is, but uh, the good news is um, there is a lot of interest and a lot of bookings of cruise lines have all said for Caribbean destinations. So it is as popular as ever. Um, I think it's fitting with the theme that the Caribbean is really um, rebounding well from from the pandemic. So that's what I got. And you know those cruisers, 
Cruise, cruise is going to cruise. Nothing's going to stop them from cruising. Not for long anyway, you can't right? stop them. You know how they are. They yeah. really can. <laughs> We're running off the gangway. <laughs> so this week, this week we also heard from the all-inclusive giant, Jamaica-based Sandals Resorts. As you know, they have all-inclusives all across the Caribbean. But this week, they opened, reopened their two Barbados resorts, Sandals Royal Barbados and neighboring Sandals Barbados. So these two adults only all-inclusives between the two properties in St. Lawrence Gap, they have more than 700 rooms. So it's really a big deal, not just for Sandals, but for Barbados as a destination, right? There's a lot of inventory. So they reopened this week. Um, Sandals also announced at the same time that they're going to be adding, I think, 66 new suites to Sandals Royal Barbados by the end of the summer. So clearly they haven't been resting on their laurels. They're not chilling out while they're no tourists. They've really made good use of this lull in travel in the last year or so. And so now with these two resorts open, the only resort they have left to open is Sandals Royal Bahamian in Nassau. Um, That, if you can believe it, is going to be 25 years old. And the resort has, um, I used to work for Sandals, by the way, people, and I remember when we opened that resort and I can't believe it was 25 years old and I'm barely 25 years old myself. So I don't know how that happened. But anyway, when you were were 15. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I was a prodigy. But anyway, um, Sandal says they're going to they're doing massive renovations to the resort, which, as you may know, has its own private island just offshore. And they will be reopening it in December in time to celebrate its 25th anniversary. So our congrats go out to Sandals and uh, and the islands of Barbados and the Bahamas. We are thrilled today to have with us a very special guest, the Honorable Mark Brantley. He's the Premier of Nevis and the Minister of Foreign Affairs for that beautiful island. Welcome. We're happy to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, hopefully we can have a chat about what's going on in the Caribbean, what's going on in St. Kitts and Nevis. Yes, I'm excited to talk to you about it. I was actually in Nevis, I think about six weeks ago for a very, very short trip. I vacationed in place. So um, I think the first thing I'm going to ask you is tell me, what are the current entry requirements for getting into St. Kitts and Nevis? I know everyone wants to know that. Well, the entry requirements haven't changed very much. We still require that you uh, present a negative COVID test, a PCR test, I'm sorry. That would have to be done within 72 hours of you arriving. Uh, You would have to go online. We have an online portal where you will have to apply, essentially, upload Mm -hmm. your negative test. You get in, you can go to uh, some hotels here. We have Onivas Paradise Beach, we have Golden Rock, we have uh, Four Seasons, of course, uh, and we have Montpellier. All of those hotels offer you the opportunity to vacation in place. And then um, on St. Kitts, there's the Park Hyatt, there's the Marriott, I think there is the Koi Resort and the Royal St. Kitts, again, all of which offer that facility. Vacation in place essentially means that you are confined to the hotel, not to your room, but to the hotel, to the resort property uh, for the first seven days of your visit. And uh, thereafter, on day seven, if you take a test and you test negative, you can then move about in a limited way. So you can then uh, go outside the property, but only to designated uh, restaurants and designated uh, places of interest in what we refer to as a bubble. Uh, if you stay until 14 days, for those who are staying that long, then after the 14th day, if you test negative, then you're free to move about the country and to go anywhere you want to go. 
Uh, recently, we have, in response to the global effort at vaccination, introduced uh, a reduction in that period. So if you are fully vaccinated now, you can come in. You only have to be uh, quarantined for, for nine days, not for the 14 days. So that's an improvement. And Excellent. we expect to slowly reduce that until we eliminate it altogether as more people wanting to come and vaccinate and as we ourselves here locally also vaccinate. Uh, as of yesterday, I think the numbers I saw were at about 41% of our, our target to get to this uh, 70%, which we are told is the sort of holy grail, uh, the herd immunity. So we're working towards that. And, and we, of course, like everywhere else, have some vaccine hesitancy, but we are optimistic that we'll get there. And once we get there, we anticipate that we can remove quarantine restrictions entirely. Our Prime Minister has indicated that by October of this year, we would wish to open fully. And that would put us in a, a good position to enjoy the, the new season, which, as you know, usually starts around uh, early November and runs until about uh, April uh, of the following year. So we, we lost all of last year. We're optimistic that we will be able to salvage this year's season. Um, you've had to, uh, throughout the pandemic, balance the goals of um, restoring tourism activity, but also making sure, obviously, that uh, all of the residents, uh, including the people who work in tourism, are safe. And uh, that's quite a, quite a conundrum. So how, do, how have you tried to handle that? I think, Brian, to say it's a conundrum is putting it mildly. You know, it has been, I think, the most difficult time to be a leader, uh, to be a leader in any of these islands, in any of these countries, because COVID has not spared any of us. Uh, the truth is that the last time the world saw a global pandemic was over 100 years ago. And so none of us have a blueprint, none of us have a manual as to how to deal with this or how to lead in a time like this, because this is an unprecedented time for all of us. Uh, as a consequence, I think that we got guidance from the WHO, we got guidance from the Pan American Health Organization, and we were guided by our local uh, health professionals as well. Uh, I think the value of my leadership for the island of Nevis at this point is that I was prepared to listen. And uh, I listened to the experts and, and they, the advice that they gave, and we implemented the protocols that they said would keep us safe. And I believe, as we say colloquially, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Our statistics have been phenomenal, mm -hmm. all things considered. And as of today, we have only had 45 cases throughout the entire country of St. and Nevis since the start of this pandemic. Nevis has only had 14 cases. St. has had 31. Um, Nevis has had not had a COVID case now for the last few months. And uh, we are optimistic that we can continue to keep it that way. All 45 cases were imported. That means there's been no community spread. And thankfully, we are only one of two countries in the region, Dominica being the second, that has had no deaths from COVID. So I think that, you know, when we look at the carnage that COVID has caused globally, we are very, very privileged. And we say thanks to God, of course, for his mercy and abiding grace to us, that we have not had any deaths here and that all those afflicted have recovered. So we have been very happy with that. Our protocols have come in for a lot of criticism. People have said they're too stringent, but they've kept us safe. And uh, as a result, I believe that we are now ranked one of the safest places in the world in terms of statistically our exposure to COVID. We have, of course, employed the non-pharmaceutical measures that everyone else did, the mask wearing, mask mandates were put into effect very early here. We had none of the debate that we saw happening elsewhere. We just decided this is what we have to do. 
We had um, the hand sanitization. We had to retool our schools so that we could reopen, retool our hotels so that we could reopen, retool our public spaces so that we could reopen to ensure that we had uh, sanitizing stations, hand washing stations, um, the physical distancing was applied. And, you know, for Caribbean people, in particular people here who are churchgoers, you know, it's tough to tell people they couldn't worship as they were accustomed to. You know, I remember I had a very testy meeting with church leaders here and told them they couldn't sing. So what do you mean we can't sing in church? And because the health professionals have said that apparently when you, when you sing, you know, it was possible for particles to project quite some distance. And so we had all of these concerns. But I think we handled it as best as we could, given the limited resources we, we had. Tourism practically shut down. Why? Because uh, we closed our borders. And we took a very hard decision uh, last year, March, to close our borders. And our borders were closed for about six months. And when we reopened those borders, we reopened them in a very limited way, meaning that the protocols that were in place for entry were quite, quite strict. And so we have not seen a rebound in tourism, but it has, in fact, not been all bad uh, thus far. Um, the economy has suffered. What started as a health crisis has really become an economic crisis, not only for Nevis and St. Kitts, but also for much of the Caribbean. But we are alive. And as they say, once you're alive, there's hope. And so we have life and we have hope that we can turn the corner on this thing. We were relying entirely on the non-pharmaceutical measures. We now have the, the vaccine that we're hopeful will make the difference, that that will be the game changer. And as more people get vaccinated and we see, uh, you know, COVID infection rates and deaths falling, particularly in our source market, the main source market in the United States, uh, we are optimistic that in the next few months we can put this in the rearview mirror and get back to work. We have not, however, uh, just sat back. We recognize that with our main engine, tourism offline, that we had to find other things to rely on. And one of the big things, concerns we had was food. Uh, you may look at such a verdant, beautiful island and you think, oh, they must produce lots of food. We have the capacity to produce lots of food. We just haven't done so. And so one of the things we did was to pivot very early to food production. And I'm very pleased to say that through various incentives provided to our farmers, we're now seeing a tremendous upsurge in local food production. You know, so lots of, our, lots of our fruits and vegetables, instead of coming in now from Miami, are actually being produced locally. Uh, they're better quality, organically uh, produced. I can and attest so to that. I can attest to that, Mr. Branton, because I just want to interject right here. I was um, on a previous trip to Nevis. I was actually training for a half marathon. So I had to do, I think, an eight-mile run. Um, when I was there, I was staying at the Four Seasons. So I went out in the morning and I ran from the Four Seasons into Charlestown, past Charlestown, up by Bath. And I remember getting halfway and thinking, oh, my God, I have no fuel for this run. But then I looked around. Was there not a mango tree with a million mangoes on the ground? <laughs> <All> <laughs> and they were fantastic. It was the best mango I've had in my entire life. It was that half marathon mango in Nevis. I will never forget it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but but speaking of which, I wanted to ask you, so it looks like you're saying hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be able to come to Nevis and not have to do the vacation in place, but to actually get around and see the island and get the full Nevisian experience. And as a son of the soil, I wanted to ask you, what's the number one you think thing that you think visitors to Nevis should do when they get there? That's a tough question. You know, um, there's so much to do here for such a little island. Uh, the number one thing, I think a, a trip a trip to our Bath 
hot baths is is just a must. Um, if even it's to put your big toe into the mm -hmm. hot stream, I think it's a must. We have the thermal springs here that are naturally occurring because we are a volcanic island. Um, it is very laid back. Uh, it's a very local vibe. And I think that that's a must. People should really uh, go there. It's very, very therapeutic. Uh, for those at my age with aches and pains, you can go there and soak and it all disappears. So it's, it's really, I think, a must-see. But Nevis also has a very rich history. It's such a small mm -hmm. island. We were at one point the capital of the Leeward Islands, believe it or not, and that Antigua and Montserrat and St. Kitts. I remind them all the time that at one point they were all administered <laughs> from Nevis. Uh, so we, we, we have, I think, a very important place in history. And we have had some interesting sort of coincidental intersections with uh, major world powers over the years. For example, Alexander Hamilton, the first secretary of the U.S. Treasury and one of your founding yes. fathers in the United States, the guy who is immortalized in the $10 bill, was born right here on Nevis and would have migrated and went to, to America to fight for independence there and later to be one of your founding fathers. Uh, we have that uh, umbilical cord stretching hundreds of years uh, with the United States through Hamilton. Of course, as you know, they just did the, the wonderful play, musical Hamilton, that uh, sort of yes. catapulted him into the limelight yet again. But we also, on the other side, in terms of the, the, the United Kingdom, the British, of course, um, Lord Admiral Horatio Nelson, one of the most famous naval admirals, was married to an Envision woman and watered his ships here. That's why we have, uh, you know, places here called Nelson Spring, for example, you know, or Nelson's Lookout, uh, all of these places, because there was a point when these islands were so valuable because of the money that they generated <laughs> for Europe, for, the, for England, that as a result of that, um, you know, countries fought over them. So the French and the British and the Dutch, they all had many, many wars here in our waters over these islands. So there's a very rich history here. We have uh, churches here that go back 300 years. Uh, yes. We have um, Cottle uh, Church. I'm Cottle Church, of course, mm -hmm. very famous. It's the first church in the entire uh, Caribbean, which allowed uh, you know slaves and slave owners to worship together. Which now we may look back and think that that's an insignificant matter, but at the time, of course, that was a huge, huge issue where you had blacks and whites worshiping together. So these are all, I think, sort of little snippets, but there's a, a very, very beautiful tapestry of history here that I think for those who are interested, uh, they can have a very good time exploring what's here. We have, um, for uh, those uh, viewers who might be Jewish, we have the, one of the earliest Jewish synagogues was said to have been here. Um, in fact, you know, the story is told that Hamilton was in his early days educated by Jews on the island. And at one point we have, of course, a Jewish cemetery we have the Jewish walk, which took us from where the site of the synagogue was. So Davis at one point had a very important place in the Caribbean and in the wider world. And so, yeah, the history is certainly something that you should come and enjoy. And then, of course, the food. I think we were talking <laughs> offline about the food. I, I think Nevis has some of the best restaurants in the Caribbean. And I say that uh, with all the modesty in the world. I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure. With all the modesty in the world. I've traveled, I've traveled the Caribbean. I'm a Caribbean man. I love my region. I choose to holiday whenever I can in the Caribbean. And I tell you, the food here is second to none. It is incredible food. You know, your, your, your seafood is fresh, freshly caught. 
you can sometimes be on a beach restaurant like Sunshine's, which is quite famous on Pinnis yes. Beach, and the guys are actually walking into the restaurant with your lobsters. Uh, you know, it's that fresh. So it's literally, where they say, uh, you know, farm to table. This is literally sort of ocean to table uh, that yes. we have happening here. And the food is just really incredible. And of course, you know, some of the, the, the main stays, you know, at, at Montpellier, for example, uh, you can dine at Mill Privé, which is, uh, you know, an 18th century sugar mill. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Very romantic. Absolutely. Sold. Sold, yeah. Premier. Sold. Absolutely. I think both Brian and I and our entire audience want to come to Nevis ASAP. Brian, did, you, did I leave out a question that you should be asking, Brian? Well, no, I think we've kind of covered everything, and uh, I really wanted to get an idea of what uh, there is to do around the island. Uh, it's such a tiny island, but there's so much, and the Premier has expertly laid out what, uh, what uh, visitors should be uh, thinking about when they get to Nevis. Both Sarah and I have been there many times. I have family from Nevis, so it is a, uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful Hidden jewel. So um, we're wonderful. We're, we're we're just so happy to have the premiere here today um, to give the, the 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 view of what's happening in Nevis because he's responsible for what happens on the island and it's come back to tourism. So Sarah, do you want to take us out? I just want to say thank you very much. Premier Mark Brantley, we are honored to have you. We cannot wait to come to Nevis, have a mango or two, soak up a little history, soak in the bars, and, you know, maybe just a rum punch because, you know, it would be rude not to have a rum punch, right? It would be. It would would be uncivilized not to have a rum punch. (laughs) (laughs) We thank you so much. Absolutely. And and very nice having, having you and very nice you giving me this opportunity. And we look forward to welcoming you and welcoming all who are viewing to Nevis soon. We'll see you there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, thank you very much, Premier Mark Brantley of Nevis, uh, the smaller sister island of of the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis. Mark is a a longtime friend of both Sarah and mine. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's no, uh, he's very active in social media. He's communicative with his people. Um, So, um, and he's been communicative with us and give us an, us a terrific update on uh, the perspective in Nevis. So now we are back with our third segment, Island Intel. And here's where you find out all of the juicy stuff from the insiders, myself and my lovely partner, Jet Set Sarah. So why don't you kick us off this week? Oh, it's me. Okay, I will. I'm happy to. So here's the thing. We've been talking a lot in all the previous episodes of the podcast about what islands are open and how you can get there, blah, blah, blah. But I thought it might be interesting to actually tell you that even though most of the, say, 30-something Caribbean islands that we travel to, even though most of those are open, there are a few, a few that are closed. And I just wanted to be clear that since people are getting vaccinated and starting to make their travel plans, I don't want them to be disappointed and make plans to go somewhere that's not open. So I'm just going to quickly run down and tell you where is not open. So the first are the French Caribbean islands of Guadeloupe, Martinique, and St. Barts. They did actually open uh, this summer, but they have been closed since the, uh, early spring um, in response to the French government asking them to. I guess it couldn't tell them no. So we, we're crossing our fingers and hoping that they reopen soon, re-reopen soon. But for right now, Guadeloupe, Martinique, and St. Barts are off the table. Also, 
there's Montserrat. Montserrat is famous for being the island that had an explo- a volcano explode in the 90s. Um, there's a huge exclusion zone there now, but the island has come back. Um, there are villas that you can stay at there. I've been to Montserrat. It's wonderful. Unfortunately, I won't be able to get back there anytime soon because up to now, it has not yet reopened to short state visitors. However, there is a loophole. They do have a remote there, one, another one of these Caribbean countries that has a remote workers visa. And if you do apply and get accepted to that, obviously, then you can travel to Montserrat and make your new home there. But right now for leisure travel, temporary travel, they're closed. Same with the Cayman Islands. If you um, have business interests there, uh, legitimate business interests there, you can travel there. But in terms of just, you know, visiting to go and lie on Seven Mile Beach, not going to happen for right now. And, and honestly, I don't, I'm not sure if it's going to happen this year. I think um, Brian and I have discussed many times that, you know, the Cayman Islands is one of those places that because it's not just tourism, but because they have banking and finance, they're in the very fortunate position of really being able to sort of pick and choose with tourism, you know, exactly how much cruise ship, how many cruise ships they want or don't want. You know, they have been able to survive after having been closed for more than a year, unlike other Caribbean islands. So we're not sure when they're going to open. I can't personally, I'm very excited to get back to Seven Mile Beach, but for now, not so much. And then there's Trinidad and Tobago, which if I had a penny for everyone who was crying when it was announced that this year's carnival was not going to happen, I would be a millionaire by now. Much to the disappointment of all the bacchanalists and the veterans out there, the Twin Island Republic has remained closed. It did not reopen at all this sum- last Last summer? No, last summer, right. It didn't reopen last summer. It has remained closed because, of course, the safety and the health of their citizens are very important, most important. Um, Obviously, Carnival did not happen this year in 2021, and the jury's still out for 2022, to be honest. So here's hoping that we're at least in 2023, we're going to be able to take a while down in Tobago. Well, that's great, and Sarah. I, you know, um, when you talk about those destinations, we 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 do want to get back. But as you mentioned, the health and safety of the populace is number one. Um, and you know, when we're talking about the Caribbean, um, the the outlook is actually really kind of positive, really pretty positive following the Corona outbreak. Um, you know, that's just I know that I know you learned a lot about this at Marketplace, right, Brian? Talk to us about that. Absolutely, the Caribbean. Tourism, Caribbean Hotel and Tourism Association Travel Marketplace, an annual event that brings together all of the Caribbean insiders and the hotel sector, um, the travel agency network, um, uh, destinations all get together. They discuss things. Wasn't obviously done in person this year. This year it was virtual. But again, we got great perspective on what's going on in the destination. And we got a good picture. I mean, um, the Jamaica Tourism Minister, Edmund Bartlett, again, one of our close friends, said the outbreak has not stalled the the country's big hospitality expansion plans. He said Jamaica is going to add 4,300 hotel rooms by 2023 and 7,000 new hotel rooms by 2025. And we know Jamaica is one of the one of the, yeah, right? It's one of the Caribbean countries that has, you know, had success managing the, uh, the coronavirus travel environment using its resilient corridors approach. Uh, the Bahamas is another winner, actually, among um, destinations following the pandemic. 
Um, Crystal Cruises and Royal Caribbean will launch Bahamas-based cruise itineraries itineraries this summer. And uh, that's just among several lines that will be sailing from the destination. And that's good news for the Bahamas because uh, Joy Gibralu, another friend of ours, direct, Director General of the Bahamas Ministry of Tourism and Aviation, said at CHCA at the conference that 70% of the Bahamas, the Bahamas visitor arrivals are cruise passengers. Um, wow. The Bahamas is I didn't know the, that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's funny. You know, we don't think about it, the, but the Bahamas is actually the largest cruise port in the world. Um, it gets more what really? It you heard it here first. I didn't even know that. First. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> we don't tell us more. Yeah, we it gets more annual cruise passengers than any single port in the world. So um, on cruise itineraries. So um, they are supporting that growth and that development with a two hundred and fifty million dollar redevelopment of the port area. So when you do return to the Bahamas, the port area is going to be much better. And if you've been there before, it's right into the downtown area. You really don't Mm -hmm. have very far to go. This will improve social distancing, this redevelopment. This will improve flow of uh, folks into the Nassau area, which really does need, there needs to be a a redevelopment of this sort. So I think this is going to really help that destination. And they're looking at a 2022 completion date, right? 2022, summer of 2022 okay. for this port right. development. Now we've got St. Martin, another Caribbean nation blessed with significant land-based resorts and cruise activity. And I think um, flights and flight service into any Caribbean destination obviously is key. <clears throat> and at the conference, um, one of the, uh, the St. Martin officials announced that American Airlines is going to launch a new service from Dallas adding to its existing flights from Charlotte, Miami, and Philadelphia. That's from Mei Ling Chung, who is a St. Martin's tourism director. She said, uh, as well, Frontier Airlines will also add new St. Martin flights from Miami and Orlando. And Delta, JetBlue, Spirit, and United also will offer flights into the destination this summer. St. Martin will also homeport cruise ships from Celebrity Cruises and Crystal Cruises this summer, and all passengers will need to be vaccinated to board those ships in St. Martin, said Mei Ling. So, um, you know, there's plenty of activity there in St. Martin as well. And she said, Mei Ling Chung says, that tells you we have the confidence of not only the travelers, but our airline partners, and travel is coming back. Just a couple other notes on Turks and Caicos. Um, Demand for Turks and Caicos is up, according to Elisa Jennings, a uh, spokesperson for the Turks and Caicos Tourism Board. She says that there will be new flights from JFK in New York to uh, the Turks and Caicos uh, aboard JetBlue this summer, and that the Grand Turk Cruise Center is scheduled to reopen in August. So there is a lot of growth, a lot more activity. And uh, one last thing I heard I was listening, in addition to CHTA, the CHTA marketplace this week, a, a um, Caribbean tourism organization a seminar included an American Airlines official. And she said the Caribbean is the number one area right now for passengers who air passengers who want to go to a leisure destination. It's accessible. It's the, mm-hmm. it's a place where people can go to get, can go to from all parts of the U S. So, um, I mean, this, there's actually, 
you know, it's, 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 we've gone through a terrible crisis, but there's, it's, there's still a lot positive that uh, we can look forward to for the Caribbean. Now, seriously, this is really the Caribbean's time to shine right now. You know, there are right. so, so few places where Americans can go, but the Caribbean is here. It's near. I mean, come on. Come on, islands. <laughs> I can't wait to get back there. But, you know, I have a question for you, Brian. Sac passé. Ah, sac passé. Well, I wanted to, and Sarah, by, by repeating that phrase, Sarah is reminding me that this is Haitian Heritage Month. And uh, we, actually, we actually had Haitian Flag Day um, this week. And if you've never seen the Haitian flag, it's actually a beautiful piece of art. It's, it's very colorful and, and it's, it's uh, joyous, just kind of like the Haitian people. And uh, I just want to say it is, um, you know, I rarely do this, but um, uh, if you've not been to the to this country before it may not be the time to travel there there is some political instability um there are government uh, changes that are going on i don't think it'll be something that will preclude people who have been there before from traveling there and certainly people who are experienced caribbean travelers there are mm -hmm. destination organization and tour operations in haiti that will take you around and it is a safely securely and in a custom way so you you know you have everything you want and need and that's really actually the best way to get around the country because it's a it's a big diverse country and let me tell yes. you it has some of the greatest tourism attractions of any caribbean destination it has the best art scene in the caribbean it has wonderful nature including bassin blue which is a natural uh spring uh beautiful blue color um, mountains. It has the citadel, the historic fort. So um, there's so much to do there. And uh, if you have any questions, email me at bmajor at ntmllc.com. And I'm happy to share any information you may, you may want about Haiti. I, I just want to put it out there on the map because we don't talk about it a lot, but uh, it's a great place. I agree with you. So, I, I can tell you, I listeners, Brian... Brian is a trove of information about Haiti. He's been many times. I've been once and everything he says is correct. I was only there for three days. It rained the whole time. So I didn't get to go around the island. I was mostly in Port-au-Prince. But right. honestly, it's such, as you said, Brian, it is such a great destination for someone who is an experienced Car Caribbean traveler, adventurous and um, expert. Definitely not for a first time, I don't think, but so rich in culture and heritage and the history is amazing. And, and the Haitian people are wonderful. So I, I second that. Absolutely. And one thing I should quickly mention, it is they're ready to handle tours. They have five, four and three star hotels. There is Wi-Fi is widely available. Uh, it's 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 probably I've been to Cuba as well. It's probably more service oriented than than even cuba in that regard which is another destination we'll talk which is fabulous as well we'll talk about it another time but okay so there you go i have a very sweet way to end this podcast i have a, some scoop for you <laughs> because what i want to talk about is ice cream actually <laughs> I, there's some very sweet news that crossed my desk uh this week from the bahamas so i don't you i'm sure you're all familiar with the hotel the cove at atlantis the cove is the adults only i do believe it's adults only but it's a very it's the most sophisticated part of atlantis yes, sort is. of a resort within a resort and they have partnered with this ice cream company called Tipsy Scoop. Tipsy Scoop is New York, New York City based and they make alcohol ice cream, alcoholic ice cream. So ice cream for adults. And um, the Cove has partnered with Tipsy Scoop and they're launching this brand new flavor called Guava Lime Cocktail Ice Cream. 
So you've got coconut ice cream and it's infused with rum and guava, which is a very popular flavor in the Bahamas. If you know, you've probably had, if you go to the Bahamas, you've probably had a guava duff, which is their dessert. Delicious. Anyway, as of May 21st, so two days from now, if you are lying by the pool at the cove, you will be served complimentary scoops of tipsy scoops guava lime cocktail ice cream. I think that's plenty of good reason to get to the Bahamas. Um, But if you need added incentive, the Cove is actually doing a fifth night three promotion that's going on now. Um, I don't know all the details, but I can tell you where to find the details, which is on their website, AtlantisBahamas.com. And also just to remind you that the Bahamas as of today is I think the only Caribbean country that is said that has said, no, Belize, Bahamas and Belize, that if you are vaccinated, you don't need to uh, do a PCR test. You just go on in there and enjoy yourself. So enjoy some ice cream for me, folks. If, if, uh, if I can find a way to get to the Bahamas pretty soon, I'll be by the pool at the Cove eating some ice cream. <laughs> well, that is a tasty recipe. <laughs> for success well i think we've come to the end of another wonderful effort they go so fast i must say our complete caribbean podcast and i have such a wonderful time with my partner this is what we're like when we're in the caribbean we're always talking about what's going on and what's new and what's happening so um thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe and like complete caribbean wherever you get your podcast we'll see you soon take care